Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I would like you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. For ye, who's ye? That's me. Are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're not an insignificant Christian. You're not somebody who cannot be used. God has got a great plan for your life. I remember whenever I was a young fella, we used to play football, and we'd all got lined up against the wall, and the two biggest lads would have been out, and they'd have picked the team, and they'd have picked it from the strongest player down to the weakest player. And we got down to the very weakest player that says, ah, you can have him. (laughs) If you were one of them players that didn't do your confidence much good, you're not here just to make up the numbers. You are here to make an impact. You are here to make a difference. You're special to God. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a one-off. I mean, if they want to identify, wasn't holiday there, and whenever you head into uh, Spain or now in the Spanish islands, the first thing they do before you enter that island, they put your finger and take your fingerprint. Why do they take your fingerprint? Because it's a one and only. You have a a, a fingerprint. Think of the millions of people that's on the earth and no fingerprints the same. It's amazing how detailed and how wonderfully you're made. You have a part to play. Indeed, in Luke 12 and verse verse 7, it says, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. You're important to God. It doesn't say... He knows the number of the hairs in your head. He says they're individually numbered. Even though you're an individual, you're not a maverick. You're not a, I am a one and only. There's a song back in the 80s, I think it was Chesney Hawk used to sing it, I am a one and only. You're not a one and only. You are not a one and only in relation to your purpose. You're a team player. You're a team player or a member of the body of Christ. You have a part to play. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts are made up of the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 13. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. I mean, some of us are from Southern Ireland. Some of us are from Northern Ireland. Some of us are from South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, Zimbabwe, and other parts of Africa. From Eastern Europe, Poland, Latvia, Ukraine, Lithuania, etc. We have people from all parts of Europe, Germany, France, and thank God we have people from India. Hallelujah. Some work for companies. Some work for themselves. But we are all one family being baptized into the body of Christ. Verse 14 says, Yes, 
The body has many different parts, not just one part. Verse 15. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. I mean, the body needs the foot and the hand. Verse 16. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where, it wants, just where he wants it to be. You are where God wants you to be. Verse 19. How strange would it be if we had only one part body? I mean, how, how, how useful would it be if we were all just an eye? It'd be no good because we couldn't move together. Joel has a team that runs the media. Bran and Leah have a team here that does the, the praise and worship. I mean, Nicola and Naomi and various others do, you know, the tea and refreshments. Pastors Ran, Kimberly and Nadine, everyone has a part. We all have a part. We all need to get into our groove, whatever our part is. Verse 20 says, yes, there are many parts but one body. Verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 22, in some parts, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. There is no, in, there is no one insignificant. We all need each other. We are a team, players looking out and helping one another. Verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care one for another. How many know we're supposed to look out for one another? We're supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to pray for one another. Many years ago, it says there about harmony. We're supposed to be in harmony. Many years ago, I used to watch TV and there used to be this advert come on, you know, and this girl was walking through the park and her hair was sitting lovely and the fellows would say, ah, she's wearing harmony. She had harmony hair spray. I was holding her hair all in a straight line. And then this other girl came round, a gust of wind that blew her hair about and the third says, well, she must have come in a motorbike. <laughs> you know, she hadn't got the harmony hair spray on. We're supposed to be in harmony, just like an orchestra. I mean, if you went in to hear an orchestra and this guy got up and he started smashing the cymbals together, you couldn't listen to him very long. He might be very good at playing the cymbals, but it's not in harmony with the rest of the orchestra. If somebody played the wind instrument like a flute on its own, you know, it would be good, but it wouldn't be excellent. Or somebody played the cello on its own, it would be good, but it wouldn't be excellent. Even whenever the orchestra's warming up, I mean, everybody's really good playing their instrument, and it all sounds uh, like chaos, because it's not in harmony. But when the conductor gets up and he, he taps the, the pedestal and he points to the different people in our orchestra, it sounds awesome because everything's in harmony. It's the same as the church. We're supposed to work in harmony. We come together in harmony together, led by, instructed by the Holy Spirit. We are an awesome team. And as we move out in faith, there's nothing that we can't do for God. But if someone goes out on their own without the Holy Spirit, even though they're tremendously talented, hardworking, and gifted, <clears throat> just like the girl without the harmony hairspray, 
It might look good for a while, but it'll fall to pieces because we all need each other. Sometimes a football club, you know, they'll sign this great individual player and, you know, he'll look good and he'll score goals, he'll beat men, he'll pass the ball well and every time he scores a goal, he turns around and he points to his shirt because he's an individual. And, you know, that team generally doesn't win anything, doesn't really achieve anything. I know that player might be good to look at and it might be nice, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about winning and that team is likely to win nothing. A team's not made up of tremendously gifted individuals, but tremendously gifted individuals playing as a team. Like an orchestra, not like an orchestra warming up, but an orchestra being conducted, being led by the Holy Spirit. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. You're important to God. You are a person of purpose. We are people of purpose. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says, tells us we are to run the race with endurance. You know, we're not all Hussein bolts, you know, over in a flash. We are endurance runners. As you live your life as a Christian, you know, you are an endurance runner. You know, years ago, people would have been, you know, looking for gold, and they'd had a saucepan or a pan, and they'd been out in California, wherever the gold rush was, and they'd been panning for gold, and the next thing, a flash come in a pan. But how many know a flash never buys the groceries? They were looking for the gold. The flash is no good. That's where the saying comes out. It was just a flash in the pan. You know, we're not like a firework. It's beautiful, and it goes up, and the next thing, it's all over. I remember whenever we were children growing up in Northern Ireland, we weren't allowed fireworks. Because of the troubles and stuff, fireworks were not, weren't available. I mean, the closest we, thing we got to a firework was a sparkler, <laughs> you know, or used to be colored matches, and some of them would, you'd strike them and it'd be blue or green or yellow, or indoor fireworks they were, and you'd get this wee one in the ground, and you lit it, and it went all psychedelic colors for about, 10 seconds. It was all over in a flash. We're not, you know, this race that we're running is not over in a flash. You know, sometimes even people come into church and they're all heavy and they're sparkly and they're everything. But six months later, they're not here anymore because they're, they're, they're here as not an endurance. They're not running an endurance race. They're running a flash in the pan race. They're running a sparkler race. We need to be endurance runners, long distance runners. As the scripture says, throwing off the sin and the loads that hold you back, it says also in that verse. We're not to run around with heavy loads. We are in this race. We're not supposed to run around with heavy loads. I remember whenever I was a wee fella, about 11 or 12 years of age, a friend of my daddy's was in the house and I told him I'd been watching the boys' brigade cross countries and I hadn't really been able to compete. I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't old enough. But at the end of the cross country, the boys, it was a big thing in them days way back whenever I was uh, a wee fella. And I mean, whenever the cross country was over, everyone gathered in this big parochial hall or whatever it was and the, win the first three runners of the race got medals. And I mean, there was hundreds of guys there and... You know, they all just watched the three guys get the, either the gold, the silver, or the bronze medal. And I had a great desire to get one of them medals. And I remember telling a fella, a friend of my dad's, 
Garfield, uh, or Garth Porter. I says, Garth, I want to run this race. He says, I'll tell you how, to how you're going to run the, uh, win the race. He says, you're going to practice. And the first thing you do is you put a pair of heavy boots on, as heavy as you can get, and you run around the fields with the heavy boots on. I mean, sometimes you see people training or out there running, running with a, a backpack on. You know what I mean? They're running around the roads with the backpack on to get them stronger. But see, whenever that race started, he says, as soon as you go to that race, he says, you put your gutties on. What's gutties? You don't, people don't talk about gutties anymore. Trainers. You put your trainers on, or as the Americans call them, tennis shoes, and you run your race with a lightweight on. That's what we run our race as Christians. We run it with a lightweight on. We don't run it carrying alcohol and cigarettes and pornography and all the things that are in the earth, we throw all that off and we are light, we are swift and we can run. And indeed, I can remember running that race after I'd spent all them months practicing running in my heavy boots and I got a silver medal. I come second in that race. I was able to go up and take my prize. Why? Not because I'd been running in my gutties or my tennis shoes or my trainers, because I'd been running in the heavy boots, but then the race started over as running in my light boots. And the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You're, you, you should be looking in the distance, not right close to you, in the distance to your destination, what your goals are, what you're supposed to do. We can't look on and focus on every obstacle that comes our way. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the, difficult, and not on the difficulties. I'd like to look at my Bible here in Matthew chapter 14. And verse 22. <clears throat> and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And, we had, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went into the mountains and away up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, and he, was alone, and he was there alone. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed in the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them, walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a spirit? And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Jesus answering said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Jesus was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. And when he, Peter, saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Notice, when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. Peter was walking on the water. He wasn't looking on to Jesus. He started looking around him at all the obstacles, at the difficulties, at the waves. And his, not, his reasoning mind says, what am I doing here? Man can't walk on the water because he took his eyes off Jesus and started to put his eyes on reason. If the devil can keep you in the land of reason, he will defeat you every time. But if you keep the devil in the land of faith, in the realm of faith, you will beat him every time. 
We need to look on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Sometimes whenever I go up the mountains, I'll always be looking to where I'm going. I mean, if I'm going to the top of a mountain, I'll be looking up every periodically at the top of the mountain, not really focusing on the obstacles. I mean, if I'm heading towards a lake, I'm looking at that lake, and I'm not really looking close to you at the obstacles that surround you or a forest or whatever I'm going. But sometimes when you're up the mountains, a heavy fog will come down or low cloud will come down and you can't see your destination. And all those little things that seemed insignificant when you had your eyes in the destination, those drains, those shocks, those rocks, those bits, they all of a sudden become bigger obstacles. Why? Because you can't see your destination. We need to keep our eyes on our des- destination. As you run your race in your groove, you have the creator of heaven and earth on your side, helping you. Hebrews 13 and verse 6 says, The Lord is my helper. Who's your helper today? The Lord is your helper. And I will not fear what man will do unto me. Notice, you cannot live a purposeful life letting fear intimidate you. We cannot run around afraid, person of timidity. Psalm 121 and verse 2 says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We need to act on faith. We need to step out in faith. We need to say, Lord, I'm heading this direction. I believe you're heading me in this direction. As Pastor Ryan would often say, get out there, like getting out on the ice on the lake and see if it's strong enough to take you and proceed as long as it is. If it starts to crack, get back again and, and, and re-establish with God the direction you're going. But we don't need to be people who's afraid. Second Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. You will, you will, find, you will find it hard to be a person of purpose running afraid. We are the righteous. We live by faith, not by fear or timidity. Indeed, the Word of God tells us we are as bold as a lion. I mean, a lion's not walking around in Kenya or whatever, looking behind it. and You know, it's, it's not the lion that's doing that. It's the zebras that's doing that. <laughs> or, or, or the deers or the gazelles, they're, 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 looking, they're looking behind them. The lion's not worried. He's not looking around afraid. We are, are the righteous. We're not running around afraid. We're as bold as the lion. The Word of God tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You are a winner and not a loser. John 4 and verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. Many a time I go to do something or work at something, and my mind will say to me, you can't do this, you're not capable to do this. And I'll say, the greater one lives in me. Greater is he that lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who stands in me. The Lord is my helper. You know, I heard this story one time. It was tremendous encouragement to me about a man called Kenneth Hagen. 
He lived in a place called Tom Bean. Tom Bean in Texas. And at the age of 16 years of age, the doctors told him he had no chance to live because his heart was deformed, he had a blood condition, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't see his 17th birthday. And I mean, he was in a really, really bad state. He couldn't even talk, but he focused on the Word of God and he believed God, and he found a scripture where it says that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be there removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. And he stood in that, and he got faith from that, and he got off that sickbed, paralyzed, and walked. But I mean, when he walked at 16 years of age, or barely 17, he was a complete bag of bones. I mean, they called him in that day uh, String Bean from Tom Bean. <laughs> I mean, he, he said he was 90 pounds. And my recollection of 90 pounds is about six and a half stone. Imagine a man, a young man at 17 years of age, six and a half stone. But he got a job. And that job was to, to go out in the heat of the day, first light in Texas with a load of all young fellas, and they were pulling up cherry trees. They, they grew cherry trees as opposed to six foot, and then when they're established, they pulled them up by the roots and sold them on for people who run cherry orchards. And he would have went out in that uh, horse and, and, and cart or van or whatever it was to the field where the cherry trees were. And there was a big boy in there at 14 stone, a big strong, all muscle. He says, by the time this 14 stone, stones melted away, used boys will be all melted away long ago. And here's Brother Hagen says, at, at six and a half stone, he says, I'll be there longer than he is. And every time he went out in the morning, he says, greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. And when he went to pull that cherry tree up, he didn't feel very great, but something come on in the inside of him. And I mean, when all them boys were melted, melted away, I mean, they worked from seven o'clock in the morning to dark, and he worked until all them boys were melted away. And at the end of that job, when all them cherry trees were planted, were pulled up and sold on, he was offered and given a job by the person who owned the, 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 the shop that was selling them. They were the only one at six and a half stone. You can do all things through Christ to strengthen you. There's nothing too hard for your God. I mean, whatever you go to do, and if it comes against you, you start to get fearful, you say, the greater one lives in me. Greater is he that lives in me, that lives in the world. I can do all things. I'm going to do exploits. Notice his strength came when he leaned on God's strength. He was weak, young man, but God made him strong. If you're going to be a person of purpose, you need to lean on, God, you need to lean on God's strength. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong. I mean, if it stopped there in that verse, that'd be all right, but it doesn't stop there. Thank God. This woman says to me one time, she says, well, I don't feel very strong. It doesn't have a thing in the world to do how you feel. Your feelings don't come into it. The Bible says in that verse, be strong in the Lord and the power of your mate. Does it say your mate? His mate. You're strong in the Lord and the power of his mate, not your mate. If you're a purpose, person of purpose in your own mate, sooner or later, you're going to cave in and let go. I mean, many years ago, the Germans were the greatest engineers in the world. And they built an airship called the Hindenburg, or the, or, 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 
There's another word for it. We'll call it the Hindenburg. And this ship was a massive big balloon airship and it could carry 50 people. And I mean, they sailed it whole way over the Atlantic Ocean to, to, to somewhere in America. And when this ship was going to come down and land, they dropped about 40 ropes out of it. Now, these 40 ropes were not for these young Marines who were there to, to guide it down. They thought it was for them to pull it down, but it wasn't for them to pull it down. All it was to do was to guide it so that it landed on the spot it was supposed to land on. However, the pilot of that ship got something wrong. And instead of lowering that ship, that ship started to take off. Now, any Marine that had any sense at all let go of the ropes. Some of them didn't let go of the ropes and were pulled up a few feet in the air and dropped down. Some of them were really stupid and they held on to them ropes that went up 20 feet and dropped down and broke legs and things. Some of them held on that long when they dropped down they were killed stone dead. But this one fella held on to that rope that long that the ship was up in the air. It must have been up 5,000 feet in the air. It went away up in the air. And they, here he was hanging on to this rope. I mean, people were fainting and babies were crying. You know, when this boy falls down, it'd be like a fly hitting your windscreen in the summertime. Flap. Bloody, a, a greasy patch. However, the pilot got the ship under control and brought it back down again. And then this fella comes down, hanging on all this time. And they, got, and they rushed over and they got to him. He says, how did you hold on so long? He says, I didn't hang on at all. He says, I put the rope round me and wound it round, round itself. And he says, I didn't hold it, it, it held me. Sometimes Christians are holding on to the promises of God in their own might. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. If you're hanging on in your own might, you're going to fall. The Bible says in Psalm 34 and verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of the most of them. It doesn't say in the most of them. All of them. How many's all? Now, a man come one time to, to Jerry Savelle in a meeting, and he says, Jerry, he says, I've been under afflictions. He says, could you pray for me that I'll never have another affliction and never have another trial? And Jerry says, yes. Lord, let him die. He says, I don't want to die. He says, he says, I don't want to die. He says, well, that's the only way you're not going to have to have afflictions and tests that you're going to have to overcome. The afflictions will come and the tests will come. Your job is to resist the devil. And the Bible says that when you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And many of the afflictions are righteous and the Lord will deliver them out of them all. The Bible says, for though a righteous man falls, he gets up seven times. He doesn't stay down. He keeps getting up. I mean, there used to be a song years ago, I get knocked down, I get up again. Ain't never going to keep me down. We need to get up. We don't want to be people lying down. We need to continue to get up. I remember Liverpool FC used to be a great team in the 70s. They're a load of rubbish now. Like. <laughs> but back in the 70s, they were a great team. And I mean, back in them days, we had no TV to watch football. I mean, you may be seeing football on a Saturday night on match of the day. There was no live football on television unless this was the FA Cup final or something. But anyway, I remember being glued to the radio, listening to, listening to about Liverpool Football Club playing as a football a fanatic. I love football. And they were playing, you know, in the European Cup. And they were getting beat maybe 2-0. But they didn't know to lay down. They didn't know to give up. And in them days, they had a, a player called David Fairclough. 
And David Clerk have got the nickname of Super Sub. I mean, if David Clerk have come on, you'd always a chance. I mean, they tried to start him an odd time from the start of the match, but he never done any good. But when they brought David Fairclough on, he always scored the goals. And no matter if Liverpool were getting beat 1-0, 2-0, whatever it was, you always knew they were going to come back because they never knew whenever they were down. They always kept getting up again. We don't need to be quitters. We need to stick with it. We need to be endurance runners. You know, Winston Churchill, they told him after the Second World War, could he come into Cambridge University and uh, give the people, young people a bit of advice on their life going forward, what they should and shouldn't do. So Winston Churchill comes in, and here's this whole arena, this whole theater, bung with people, people standing everywhere. And Winston Churchill comes in, he says, never, never, never give up and walked out. That was the biggest advice that he could give them. We as Christians should never give up. We have a purpose. We have a goal. We have a destiny. We are not one foot in the grave, people. You see our program on TV years ago, one foot in the grave, just getting by until you eventually die. No, we are people of purpose. As it says in Daniel, people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Well, people often say, what about poor Job? Job went through some horrendous difficulties in his life. And indeed, he was going through things that bad. In Job 2 verse 9, his wife said unto him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Integrity, Curse God and die. When trials and tests come, it can be hard to hold on to your integrity, especially when what comes against you contradicts what the Word of God says and what you know about the Word of God says. Job lost everything. It was horrendous. However, if we turn to Job chapter 42, And verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And verse 13. People say, well, what about Job's children? You know what I mean? What about his children? Verse 13 says, And he had seven sons and three daughters. And verse 15 says, And, and in all the land there was no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brethren. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even to four generations. So Job died being old and full of days, completely satisfied. It didn't destroy his destiny. His focus and his destiny was not on the obstacles of the calamities come, but his destiny was in his Lord, and he got, lived a full and satisfied life. You know, about 10 years ago, well, maybe eight years ago, my daddy went through down to the Republic of Ireland, to Dublin there, to have a heart operation. And when he was in hospital, you know, there were young men, younger than him, dying of heart attacks, sitting on the waiting list for this operation that was done to be done in his heart. And I says, Daddy, don't be afraid. I said, I'm believing God with you right now for another 10 years. This was about 72, I suppose. And uh, 
he got his faith into that. I was bringing him up messages. Kenneth Hagen, he was sitting under me, he was encouraged, and he got through it. And eventually he got that operation that was a total success. And my daddy's a fit and strong man. However, about six months ago, he says to me, do you remember you stood with me, you know, believe in God for 10 years? I say, I do. He says, well, the 10 years is nearly up. <laughs> I says, daddy, here's what the word of God says. With a long life, I will satisfy you. And he knew that. And when I told him that, he was strong again. Because it's not about the 10 years. It's about being satisfied. You're not to go home sick or ill or depressed or discouraged. You're to go home satisfied. So people of purpose are not quitters. They believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Is anybody in the land of the living? The Bible says you're to believe to see the goodness of God in the land of living. We live by faith. We are persistent. We get hold of God's word. We are led by the Spirit. And we are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we don't let go of the promises of God. We hold on to them like a bulldog. Remember an old bulldog. You know, an ordinary dog has got a snout coming out and his teeth are where its nose is. And when it bites off, it bites off, but it has to let go. Because it can't breathe when it's biting something because his nose is in the road and he can't breathe. However, an old bulldog, <laughs> it's, it's tastes the way out here and his nose is back there. And if a bulldog bites something, they can hold on to it all day. We should be like bulldog faith. We should hold on to the promises of God and refuse to let go. Romans 8 and verse 28. For we know all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We have a purpose in our life and our purpose is to glorify God. To glorify him in every area of our lives. When things come against us and things will come against you, God will turn it for good. Turn them bad things for good. I mean, whenever I was a child, my mother used to bake. I know there's not a lot of baking done now, but she used to bake. And I mean, she had got butter and flour and raisins and all the stuff, and milk, and all sorts of stuff, cream and all that you put in, 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 in a big bowl, and she had to mix that bowl. I mean, and all them ingredients, if you took that butter, a mouthful of butter, it was terrible, or a mouthful of flour, it was terrible, but I'm telling you, see when she had that cake mixed, me and my sister used to fight over who could lick the spoon. God will take the difficulties in your life and turn them to good. Them difficulties that come against them, people that come against you, God will turn it to your good. Psalm 23 says in verse 5, He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That's not when you get to heaven. The man, you know, you'll have enemies down here. God will prepare a table before you in their presence. Proverbs 26, verse 27 says, Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. What's that mean? It means somebody digs a pit for you to fall into it they'll fall into it themselves. That'll be the end result. It goes on to say, if someone rolls a stone, it'll roll back over them. Roll a stone up a hill or something to affect you in a negative way, that stone will roll back over them. It'll not roll over you. I mean, we don't spend our lives running around, complaining about people, fighting, bickering. We walk in love, confident in our God. What the devil means for bad, God will turn it for good. People are not your problem, they're your purpose. The Great Commission says in Mark 16, 
And he said unto them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that is baptized shall be saved. That's you. That's us. We are baptized and we are saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these shall, signs shall follow them that believe. Who's them that believe? That's us. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. How many speak with new tongues? What a powerful thing that is. They shall take up serpents, and if they, eat, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's our commission. We are not afraid. We are people of purpose. Isaiah 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It goes on to say, And their vindication is of God. God will vindicate you. You don't need to vindicate yourself. God will vindicate you. People of, pers- people of purpose don't run around offended. All the time an offense waiting to happen. You ever around people, all the time their offense waiting to happen. You can hardly look at them. You're in eggs every time you talk to them. You know, you ever around people like that, you're in eggs every time you talk to them. We're not people like that. We're, we're people that are on endurance race. Endurance race. We're not easily knocked off or knocked out of our groove. We're not the UCN Bolts. We're the long runners. People of person, people of perf- purpose have vision. They get behind a church vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, people perish. So vision's very important. People know God's word and set themselves to know it. People of purpose, if they don't know God's word, they set themselves to know it. If they're young in the Lord, they say, I'm telling you what, I'm going to know what the the scriptures say about me. Hosea 4, verse 16, verse 6 says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. You need training and you need to get yourself established in the word of God. I can remember one time back about 15 years ago, Pastor Hassan Boyle was preaching in uh, Portadown area in a place called Pepper's Trees, which is between Portadown and Tandragee. And he was driving a Range Rover at the time, the same as John's there, same as mine. And I says to him, well, what do you think of this car? He was sitting leaning out through the window of the car was hand the steering wheel and I stand talking to him. And the car was taken over. He says, this is a wonderful car. It's the best car I ever had. He says, there's only one problem with it. I says, what's that? He says, well, as you know, my wife Lucy's not very tall and she likes wearing a nice dress and she has to put her foot away up in this car. She says, a wee bit undignified. <laughs> and I, I, he was sitting with his arm like got there and I pushed a button. And that car psh, went down like that. And then the nurse suspension. And I mean, he had been driving it for years. And he didn't know what he had. How many know we need to know what we have in relation to the word? If you don't know you've got it, you can't use it. She had been climbing up like this into this car for years, and all he had to do was push a button and it went down for access level. Didn't know he had it. Many have had video recorders or all sorts of interesting as video recorders now, but smart TVs and all. You don't know half of what to do, really, like. You know, but we need to know what this word has for us. Or the devil can take advantage over us. 
for our lack of knowledge. People of, pur people of pur purpose are a benefit to their country, an ambassador to the kingdom of heaven. You know, the Bible tells us that you're supposed to pray for your country, for kings and for all that's in authority. People, I'm not praying for him up there and the dialer in, in Stormont or not praying for them ones. Well, you know, at this time when this was wrote, Romans were ruling the Christian people in Israel. We had to pray for the people in authority and be a benefit to our country and pray for our country. You know, the Bible says, righteousness shall cause a country to do well. You know, there's a reason to pray for it. How many know dogs love bones? No, they don't really. They settle for bones. Dogs love steaks. That's what the dog wants. I mean, if you throw a bone down there in a steak, what do you think the dog's going to run away with? <laughs> He's going to run away with a steak. Dogs don't love bones. They settle for bones. I've seen this situation one time where a woman got healed from poor hearing. But she walked off the stage like this here. And the man run, shouted, the pastor shouted at her, he says, what, you get healed from the ears? Yes. She says, well, what about the, 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 the knee or the, or the leg? Oh, she says, I can live with that. We're not supposed to live with it. We're supposed to take everything that God has for us. People of, people of purpose don't settle for bones. They get all that God has for them. The Bible says you're to glorify God, glorify God in your bodies, which is God's. Everything you should do should be with a purpose to glorify God. Your job, your body, your appearance, your house, if you start a business or have a business, all should be done with the purpose to glorify God. Everything you do. Glorify God in your bodies, which is God's. Everybody with a physical body. A man who's got a physical body should look after it. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Spirit. You should exercise it right. You should eat a healthy, well-balanced diet. Oh, I don't want to go to the gym. The gym has a purpose. You have a purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God. Oh, I really love crisps and chocolate and ice cream and I want to live in them. I don't care. I mean, I'm not saying you can't eat crisps and chocolate and ice cream, but you don't live on them. This time next year, I don't care how far out of weight you are or how far out of fitness you are, but in one year, you can be your perfect weight and fitness, and there's nothing supernatural about that. That's just your attitude. And your attitude will determine your outcome. And if you're going to live long, you better look after the physical body that God gives you. Wearing nice jeans, although that is a benefit, that's not a purpose. You know, to get into a nice dress and all, that's a benefit, but that's not the purpose. The purpose for you to look good and be in good shape is to glorify God. There's people in here believing God for a spouse. You should be believing God for a spouse, absolutely. And you're going to get a spouse. We're believing with you. You'll be walking in here in five or six years' time with your husband and your, or, 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 your, or your wife and three children coming in behind you, glorifying God and blessed of the Lord. That's a purpose. And you set yourself that goal and you don't let go of it and you do whatever you have to give it and enjoy the benefit of that purpose. Don't go into every day with a go into every day with a purpose of glorifying God. Romans 12, verse 1 says, 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because, all, because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. King David says, is there not a cause? What's another word for cause? A purpose. We used to sing a song in church 20 years ago. And was essentially the song we sung 20 years ago in church was 1 Peter 2, verse 29. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But that's not where it stopped. There was a purpose on it. What was the purpose? That you should show forth the praises of God who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the answer to that holy nation. You are that. But the purpose of you being that is that you glorify God, that you be a light to that world out there. That world's not reading any Bible. The only Bible they're reading right now is your life and what you're doing. You are a light. The Bible says don't put your light under a bushel or under a bed. Let your light shine. Let your light shine in your business. Your business purpose. This is the purpose of your business. We used to think a business purpose was to get rich. Here's the business purpose. The business purpose is to glorify God and financial benefit is a result of you glorifying God. That's what's going to happen. The, the first purpose of your business is to glorify God. The result of you glorifying God is financial benefit. This is my last verse. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, what's whatever you do? Everything you do. Everything. People say, oh, I don't know what my purpose is. Your purpose is to glorify God in everything you do. Oh, there's people, I'm waiting, waiting for my purpose. Your purpose is right. You go out to that door. As this sermon's over, you glorify God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's what our purpose is. To live a life to glorify God, to win in their first life, to prosper in life, to be healthy in life. Not that we can be a big fella, but we give God the glory. And when you give God the glory, he gives you the victory. Glory to God. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this seed that's sown today. I want to thank you, Lord, that the church is really receptive and enjoyed it. I want to thank you for a good word and season, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, that we can implement it, Lord, in our lives, in our everyday lives, Lord. We can glorify you, Father. That's the whole reason that we glorify you. And I thank you, Father God. This Christmas season's coming up. Nobody is anxious or worried about it. We thank you, Lord, that you're our provider. Jehovah Jireh, as you already said, and we're looking forward to it. This is going to be our best Christmas yet and we look forward for having fellowship as a family of God. Nobody insignificant everybody significant all part of the purpose in this church. We thank you Lord for what's happening in Bulgaria and what will continue to happen throughout the week we'll have an amazing time 
And we want to thank you, Lord, as we leave this building, we are protected on the roadways, the, 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 the airways, or whatever way we travel. Indeed, angels are protecting us, Father God, for we are the children of the Most High God, and the greater one lives in us, and greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. So we thank you for a wonderful week forward. We are going forward this week to glorify you. Take your glory, Lord, and be magnified. In Jesus' name. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie